Hey guys, it's your host, Hakeem Vallis. Just wanted to thank you for listening to another episode of the St. Louis Small Business Podcast. I also want to just wish good health to everyone out there dealing with this coronavirus madness. Um, if you have the luxury of not having to deal with that or not having to deal with any mental health-related issues, I'd encourage you to stay on offense through these crazy times. Really, really hope you enjoy the episode, and here we go. This interview is with Ken Mao, the owner of Full a healthy and sustainable meal prep company in St. Louis. Hakeem and Ken go into the weeds of Ken's journey and how being a tutor on a worldwide yacht exploration led to him founding this meal prep service. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the St. Louis Small Business Podcast. Today I'm here with founder. Oh, of course. <laughs> I love it. Today I'm here with founder of Eatful. That's a meal prep service. Uh, Mr. Ken. What's your last name, by the way? Mao. Ken Mao. Ken, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm really, really, really excited to have you. Uh, I met you last week um, at like a business networking event. You had your uh, little stand set up. You had some tiki masala chicken and uh, things like that. And uh, really excited to have you on the show. Um, To kind of start, I kind of want to take it all the way back to kind of, you know, who you are, you know, where you're from and kind of set the framework and kind of you know, take, take our audience along your journey. Okay, uh, so I was born and raised primarily on the East Coast. Um, my dad worked for kind of an international distribution company. So um, my first few years were spent on the East Coast as a little kid, but we spent a lot of time like traveling around the world. He was in charge of opening a lot of like regional offices in Asia. Uh, Thailand, Singapore, Indonesia, Taiwan, uh, Hong Kong. So I spent a good part of maybe the first eight, eight to ten years of my life, like around the world. And um, I like to mention that because I think a lot of my perspective on not just food, but like everything, kind of like started from that point because I had a lot of exposure to a lot of different things. I mean, I kind of look back sometimes and I laugh at like how naive I was when I was at that age and Mm -hmm. not really like understanding or appreciative of all the experiences that I had. But like when you have a chance to kind of like reflect and look back on those things, it's kind of like, oh, this is so cool. I can like look back on that. You know, I don't remember everything, but I remember enough. Um, Super grateful, huh? Yeah, super grateful. But, like, because of that, like, so when I graduated from college, you know, uh, when I graduated from high school, uh, I mean, we were in the East Coast for probably from, I was about 10 to 18, uh, for about eight years. I knew I wanted to, like, I didn't want to be on the East Coast. Like, I always had this urge to kind of, like, not be at home. Mm -hmm. You know, like, as soon as I could have my independence, I was going to take it. Um, So I went to college out on the West Coast. most of my really close friends are still from there. And then that was an interesting time because growing up, um, I was always that like super nerdy, like academic kid, um, did whatever his parents told him. And then when I got to college, it was like a whole new world kind of thing. And I was still a good kid, you know, and academically, but I was like tired of like studying. So I like, I like, I like had my fun. And like part of that was like, I lost a little bit of structure in terms of like figuring out what I wanted to do. Okay. You know, like coming from like a Chinese family. My parents are were super great in terms of the upbringing. They're like, they encouraged us to do whatever we wanted. You know, obviously they had some things they wanted us to do. Like I spent 12 years playing the piano, wow. uh, playing the violin, all the instruments. Um, but they kind of encouraged us to kind of like explore whatever it is that we wanted. So like when it came time to graduate from college, it was originally I was going to go to law school, you know, maybe become a lawyer and then I was like you know what I don't know if I really want to do that you know um, so very very last minute I decided I was going to move overseas uh, to either Hong Kong or Taiwan wow. and study Chinese nice. uh, because as somebody who's Asian American who spoke okay I was always slightly embarrassed around like our Chinese family mm. that like I couldn't read or write Gotcha. You know, um, and also like I knew like from a global perspective that like 
that was going to be important at some point. Absolutely. That's so I was like, all right, take advantage of it. I don't really know what I want to do. Um, I had actually been teaching for Princeton Review for like four and a half years at that point. Okay. So what was your role with that? I was uh, I was uh, an SAT teacher. Okay. Um, I was their youngest LSAT and GMAT instructor. Oh, that's cool. So I started doing that when I was SATs when I was 18 in mm. high school, and then I did LSATs and GMATs the year after. So like I hadn't even like taking them yet, <laughs> but I was already like teaching people. That's um, cool. And uh, it's interesting because that was something that nobody expected that I would like ever do. It was Absolutely. like an expectation for myself because I was always super quiet in class. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you had to like pry my lips open to get me to like offer an opinion on anything. And part of that I think was because like from an academic standpoint when you're considered one of the smart kids, you're like afraid to like say something like wrong and get judged. Yeah. So, but it was so it was interesting that like it ended up in that direction. But that allowed me very easily to like get a job overseas, you know, because moving, because uh, Princeton Review, they have a franchise. Okay. So like it was easy for me to contact the Hong Kong office and the Taiwan office, and then depending on which Chinese school I wanted to get into, I could just work for either office. That's cool. And so I ended up actually moving to Hong Kong with about $600. And uh, I was only supposed to be there for two years, and I ended up being there for like seven and a half. Damn. So, what was that like? Oh man, Hong Kong was crazy. Um, definitely brought me out of my shell a lot. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of my close friends are still there. So like, even though I left maybe five and a half years ago, somehow I've still managed to go back every single year around the holiday season cool. and I always joke with part of it is because I people have been getting married and mm -hmm. things like that and I'm always like guys can we go somewhere else like I love coming to see you but I'm kind of <laughs> sick of Hong Kong because it's not like a vacation for me yeah. it's like I used to live here gotcha you know I'm not seeing anything new I'm kind of in that part of my life where like I want to like do you know in the opportunities that I do get to travel, yeah. like I want to make the most it's of somewhere them. New. But you know, it, it is what it is, it's fine. Uh, you, going Kong, this, you going back this holiday season? Uh, yeah, <laughs> long story. Um, but yeah, like Hong Kong um, did a lot for me in terms of um, teaching me what I, what I like to do, um, both socially and professionally. So like I taught for probably another year with Prince Review before opening up my own practice okay. um, or my own like um, educational uh, consulting, consulting type, type of gig. Gotcha. Um, and then the allure of finance got to me. So okay. I spent two years working in finance for a big brokerage firm corporation type company in hate, Hong Kong in Hong Kong hated every single minute of it <laughs> didn't enjoy the work Did you make a lot of money though not not, not, not I'm not and, saying like that's not, a good thing and not really and gotcha. that was the problem it was it was like it was the promise of uh, at some point that money would be easier shiny you know object. to get a shiny object right uh, I hated the lifestyle um, I mean I won't say that like I didn't participate in it because I definitely did <laughs> and I could see like where you were it going. was making me like become a person that I didn't want to be, um, and I never ever got to that point. But there were always like little moments where I'm like, man, that was kind of a dick. Like, <laughs> why am I like this? That's not me. And so I, you know, uh, blessing in disguise. I ended up getting laid off after coming back from a ten-day vacation, which I hadn't taken in two years. Mm. And. Uh, I was like, you know, like a blessing in skies, and I kind of just like, I went back to teaching, and I kind of just moped around, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, still couldn't figure it out. Um, but in that whole time, like, learned um, the value of like, investing myself in a community of people, finding people that resonated with me, like, having a small tight-knit group of friends but also not being afraid to have like a bigger group of people that like who knew me by reputation or knew who i was gotcha. um, it's always crazy to me um, like how many people that i know from like a first name basis um, that i could actually very easily like tomorrow call up if i was like traveling be, hey dude yeah. want to grab a beer and we've met like once um, I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's them. Probably a little <laughs> bit of both. Yeah. But like, I think I've been very lucky because I was 
in Hong Kong and it's such a melting pot um, and that I kind of broke out of my shell there a little bit to have like this whole like network I don't even want to call it network because that sounds like a little weird but like this like worldwide community of like people that I can talk to and always socially interact with or professionally interact with uh, and things like that so Hong Kong was definitely a great time um, I actually had to spend a year doing nothing because uh, I ended up getting TB, tuberculosis, oh, in Hong wow. Kong. Um, Damn, so that, that was rough. Uh, <laughs> so, um, funny enough, in the US, we don't get vaccinated for it because it's not prevalent here, mm -hmm. right? So that's why you get those TB shots TV all the time, yep. right? And if you get vaccinated for it, then you test positive forever. Yep. So there's no point, right? Because it's not prevalent here, there's no point getting vaccinated, otherwise you test positive for it. Gotcha. Um, and so it is not as prevalent in Hong Kong anymore, but it still exists. Um, and so apparently I got diagnosed with it after I got pneumonia. Mm. And the doctors were like, we feel like you've had this for a while actually, and it was just dormant. Has there been any instance in like the last two or three years where you were really sick? And I was like, actually, yes. I was so sick that I ended up having to leave Hong Kong for two weeks to like give my lungs a break from like the pollution. And that's the way I thought it was. But in reality, it was because I had gotten it then. And it's just a super unlucky case of like, my immune system might've been down for a day and then somebody just coughed on me. Yeah. And Damn. you got it. So like for a year, you know, at that point I was super active, you know, like rock climbing, gym stuff, yeah. like trying to like, like figure out a new job and things like that. And so like, that was a super hard year in my life. Mm. But luckily, you know, like I said, I had like a super close knit group of friends, um, which is the reason why I keep going back. And they took care of me like, for that whole year. That's um, awesome. Yeah, and then so like that year, I had to take a like really hard look of like, okay, well, what am I gonna do now? 100%. You know, I've got all this experience from teaching. I didn't really follow through and finish the Chinese stuff. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let's take a full year and a half, two years to really focus on the Chinese thing. Uh, the problem with Hong Kong was because it's so expensive to live. Mm -hmm and where I ended up having to live in Chinese school and work, I had to literally go like 45 minutes one direction, an hour and a half another direction, yeah. and then back home and like trying to study, work, plus all that travel. It just, I just couldn't do it, yeah. I just couldn't do it. The, cr the commute was crushing me and then it was a new city, so I was like, wanted to go out and meet friends. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, at some point the social aspect just took over and I was like, all right, I'm just gonna work and have fun, like I can't do the, the study thing and did just come out of college like yeah. forget it <laughs> so i ended up like dedicating myself to studying chinese in taiwan which is where my mom is from gotcha uh for two years um, my brother actually ended up moving out with me and living with me and my parents actually came for a little bit too that's cool um, and because i have been tutoring for so long and i had garnered uh, a very good reputation um, i had somebody in taiwan reach out to me um, to basically be an all-inclusive tutor their daughter wow. um, and so she used to have like four or five tutors for like all her academic subjects and SATs and all that stuff and I was like it's what a, I felt so bad for her like, <laughs> after school she'd go right back home and have all these people that she had to like run through don't, and do don't. this with and like just after a few weeks of like working with me as SATs her parents like I guess quickly realized that I could pretty much do everything else we just That's got rid stuff. of everybody else. That's awesome. I did all of her stuff with her for two years, got her into uh, the school that she wanted, USC, Annenberg. Um, That's awesome. But like, you know, they're a well-to-do family, and at that point I was charging a lot of money for that stuff. So like, <laughs> it was nice, because like, uh, I wasn't worried uh, financially. Gotcha. Uh, I got to study, and like, I actually really put, uh, put a lot of effort into studying Chinese, because I knew like, okay, I could pay the bills, and like, you know, and I only have one student, one responsibility. Yeah, so that was, that was cool, like, and being, able, and being able to be in Taipei from where my mom is from, mm -hmm. where we used to be kids, but actually like, as an adult, kind of hang out there. That's cool. And, like, and I would say that like, right then, so Hong Kong like, is a pretty diverse like food city. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, you got Western food, you got Asian food from like everywhere, you know, and like, I, when I think back on it, like, I ate really well, and like, but I didn't, like, food was just food, you know, like, it never, like, crossed my mind as to, like, 
oh, what is this? Like, why is it this way? Like, it yeah. didn't interest me so much. It was like more like, oh, I'm going out to eat with friends. This is delicious. Cool. This tastes like crap. Okay, whatever. Gotcha. You know. And it wasn't until I got to Taiwan or like. I started to like really gain an appreciation and an interest because people would come visit me and like from Hong Kong and from from the U.S. Like, and I would take them to like the street markets and this and that, and they would ask me, like, "Oh, why is this this way? Why is this this way?" And you know, mm. as part of kind of like my profession as a tutor and a teacher, I was like, "I don't know the answer to these questions," and it kind of bothers me. <laughs> so I like I need to learn this. But plus, I had like this huge interest. I suddenly found like I had this huge interest in it. Um, so uh, I did that for like a year and a half, two years, um, and then I was gonna—I was getting ready to come back to the U.S. I was like, it's time to come home. Uh, it's time to kind of like re-enter the professional world because mm -hmm. at that point, like, even though, like I said, I had a community of friends, like a network of stuff. How old were you at this point? Like 28. Gotcha. 28, 29. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I like to say like I was. I'm 35 now. Mm -hmm. I like to say like I'm actually like 34 because I lost a year to TB. <laughs> so like I had a year in which I like didn't do anything. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I was like, it's time to come back. I like tired of doing like the lone wolf thing because I've been doing that for so long. Gotcha. You know, part of being like in the education private sector, like you're always doing it by yourself. Absolutely. And while the money is actually very good, um, and I was. I was financially pretty set um, from like a, but only from like a year to year perspective because like you never know like when that well is going to dry up, especially if you're doing it by yourself and you like always have to go and find students. You know, it's still a hustle. Hundred percent. You know what I mean? Um, and I was like, well, obviously this is this probably not smart and sustainable. Yeah. So why don't I take that experience? And I actually got a big kick in the butt from my aunt and uncle. Um, who reside in Connecticut, and they were like, you need to take that experience and do something with it, mm. you know? So come back to the U.S., uh, get your MBA, uh, make a network, find the right people, and then do something with it. And so the whole goal was to get my MBA and then start an education consulting firm in, like, Shanghai. Because right. I'm, like, the bridge between the two worlds there. 100%. Like, there, it... That industry is just starting to grow there. There are tons of like, obviously Chinese kids who want to come to the U.S. Who like, they can score high in some things, but not score high in other things. Mm -hmm. And then it's like complete culture shock here. Yep. Uh, and because of that, there was, um, uh, there were a lot of young professionals who wanted to help these kids from there, but because they're also Chinese, mm -hmm. they don't understand the culture out here. So uh -huh. while they could teach the SATs and stuff, teach them like the English stuff, teach them like the math stuff, teach them how to take the test stuff, they weren't well versed with how to prepare the kids to actually come to the US, which, was, which is like, I would say like 80% of it. You know? So my goal was to start a company out there, which maybe I take like one or two students a year to tutor, but like I would take under my wing all these people who wanted to be in the profession that I was gotcha. and to teach them like you know how to help those kids bridge that gap I had a, like, gotcha. a lot of methodology that I had built up over the years in terms of like breaking like Chinese students out of their mode of thinking because a lot of them are you know we always hear like oh they're always so good at math and good at science and like they're really really good at memorization regurgitation like stuff like that but when it comes to like thinking for themselves, and it's gotten better, thinking for themselves, like being creative, um, you know, kids here, like, pull them out of the water, you know what I mean, like critical thinking, the ability to think for yourself, to come up with the answer for yourself, mm -hmm. it's not something that they were used to, gotcha. and like, I finally found a way to like, kind of push kids yeah. to be able to do that, to, like, think, like, rewire, like, think for yourself, like, no, I'm not going to give you the answer, like, go spend 10 minutes, and if I see that you're struggling, you can't figure it out, okay? I'll, maybe I'll give you another approach. And then if you really can't figure out, okay, then I'll give you the answer and you work backwards. But that's always last resort. Gotcha. You know, which was very strange to me because like that's how we're brought up here yeah. in terms of like that's education here, 100%. not the education out there. And part of it is kind of like the system of education and how you move from you know, high school, to, uh, middle school to high school, to college and things like that. So yeah. I wanted to kind of break that mold. And then before I got that opportunity, something fell into my lap. 
So as I was mentioning in our conversation earlier, oh, yeah. is um, I ended up taking a job as a private tutor on a yacht That's for two kids. So family of four, uh, Chris and Vicky Lenz, um, their two kids, Kiana and Cannon, on their yacht Silver Lining that was basically circumnavigating the globe. Uh, Chris, um, I attribute a lot of what I do today to being around him. So he was a he was a restaurant uh, entrepreneur, a restaurateur okay. in Hong Kong, and owned a lot of restaurants. And, still owns the buildings to which the restaurants, he sold his restaurant group. Okay. And he took all that money that he made and he built his own yacht. And he wanted to give his kids an opportunity to like see the world, but obviously didn't want to just take them out of school for two years. So gotcha. um, this kind of like fell on my lap randomly because somebody sent, a friend of mine sent me an email and I was like, well, this is not what I do because they were seven and nine and I mostly teach like teenagers and adults. Yeah. I was like, I'm smart enough guy. I'll figure it out. <laughs> Sent them my application, like three months later, they were like, hey, you want the job? You know, I was like, hell yeah, I want the job, of course. I mean, it was funny because the mom, Vicky, she did a more, she was more hands-on in terms of the interview process, in terms of like help, uh, asking me like what curriculum and all that stuff was gonna be. Mm -hmm. And Chris basically, just, he's like, I have one question, why do you wanna do this? And I was like, I'll be honest, like, why not? Like I get to travel the world and do something that I love. He was like, that's the right answer. Because everybody else was like, oh, you know, I want to do it to like further my education degree and yeah, give yeah, my like another perspective. Another and they weren't, as, they weren't as like interested in like the travel and the, and the being part of the family part and the whole like adventure thing. And I gotcha. was like, oh, yeah, this is so cool. So I mean, that is like, it's funny that that doesn't come up in conversation more often when I like meet people. Cause mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how to say it. I was on a boat, <laughs> I was on a yacht. But it, was, it was a crazy experience. Um, I met them in Greece and we basically went from the Greece, in, from Greece all the way around the Mediterranean, uh, through the Straits of Gibraltar, out onto the Canary Islands and kind of like the west coast of Africa mm -hmm. and then uh, went across the Atlantic Damn. to down to the Caribbean and then all the way back up to Miami and up the entirety of the East Coast and then down through all the Great Lakes to the western bank of uh, Ontario, yeah. Thunder Bay, Canada. Yeah. And so it was like Western Bank, yeah, it's right yeah, by it's like, like Windsor. Yeah, yeah. it's like it was like fifteen months. That's so unreal. and then during that time, like I was like, okay, well I gotta document this. Like, yeah. I can't just like be on a boat and like not share it with people so I kept the blog okay. and then at that point like I say like the food thing was like a big thing for me at that point I love taking pictures of food like did learning they have like a chef on the yacht they did okay. they had a chef uh, she also doubled as kind of like the, the housekeeper gotcha okay um, they're all Filipino so like okay. I got a newfound appreciation for Filipino food yeah. um, but I was like I need something when I'm traveling and documenting so it's not too scatterbrained like I need that theme Mm -hmm. And that theme ended up being food, As and it's like, an, and it was like an easy way to insert in the community because even if you don't speak the language, like you know, I would go to restaurants and go to things, and I would like ask to talk to the, sh I would tell them what I did, and I'd be like, can I like talk to the, the chef? chef? Yeah. Can I like you know introduce your way? Because like food is like one of those things that like can be very sensitive mm -hmm. in culture, but can also it, but it's also a great like way to like. Connect, connect with people because who doesn't love talking about like food you know as Absolutely. part of their culture as and part everybody of their and everybody <laughs> eats it so like that was it was awesome I still have the blog somewhere um, but I got to eat all these wild meals awesome things I mean because I had no expenses on the boat and I did get paid I just basically blew my paycheck on like food we like land somewhere. I'm like, I'm never coming back here. Three hundred dollar lunch, sure. Like, give me seven things on the menu. And so, like, because of that, though, I was like, man, I gotta like work out. Yeah. And like, just before I got on the boat, I found CrossFit. Okay. And so, um, you know, I, I had between like the rock climbing and like P90X and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I had I had been active. And part of that was because when I graduated from college, I was 195 pounds, I was a big boy yeah. for my frame. Yeah. And I was like, and people were just like, so why, what motivated you to lose the weight? I was like, actually, it's very simple. Uh, 
for the lack of a better way of saying it, it was, it, Hong Kong is too hot to be fat, yo. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's too hot to carry all this extra weight. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm just sweating everywhere because I have all this excess weight. I was like, this is, this is not a good way to live, you know? Um, so like, I, I ended up losing a lot of weight. Um, and then I found CrossFit. And so I was like, all right, between CrossFit, because you can drop into different CrossFit gyms around the world, mm-hmm. plus the food. All right, cool. I've got like a a marriage made in heaven. Absolutely. So yeah, so that, I mean, that whole journey was, was still, I mean, I think about it this day and I'm just like, it's so crazy. Like who gets an opportunity to do that? Especially somebody who's like, who, you know, when you think of something like that, you think of somebody who, and you know, I might be wrong in making that assumption, somebody who like, kind of doesn't have any direction in life, so to speak. Like, so you just kind of fall into it or Mm -hmm. somebody who's like, you know, like, oh, they've always been working on boats, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not somebody that you would think Just that. Ran. It's not something that you think that, like, someone with my kind of upbringing and my, like, background would, like, ever do. And that's, that's probably what made it most, more appealing to, to the family. It was like, you know, here's this pretty, like, well-educated, straight-laced guy, kid, who, like, is willing to just take a year out of his life to go on an adventure. Serendipity. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's that's, awesome. that's how I would put that. That is awesome. You know, so um, I still keep in pretty good contact with them. It's so crazy to see how they've grown up now. Oh, the I kids think, too. Yeah, yeah. Keanu is going to college. Damn. And like, it's just it's crazy, and like, you know, I've been a little bit because of how busy I am here. Like, I haven't been able to go see them in the last two years. But after, you know, before that, like, we kept in regular contact. They invite me back out to Thunder Bay because they go back out there every summer to hang out. So, so it was nice to, well, it was like being part of a family. That's really cool. You know, so. But anyways, um, after that trip, I finally got out to do my MBA. Okay, um, where did you do that? Here at Wash U. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, WashU, I mean, honest, honestly, WashU was a last-minute choice. Really? But like it's you said, serendipity is like it ended up being, when I think about it, it ended up being the right choice. Gotcha. You know, so like as somebody who taught the GMATs and all that stuff, like, I had a great score. A 4.0 GPA. I was obviously a super interesting background, mm-hmm. you know. Applied to four schools first round. No response, no interview. Yeah. I was like, okay, applied to the next four schools, second round, no response. Mm. Four schools, third round, no response. Damn. And I'm like, I haven't gotten an interview anywhere. I cannot waste another year of waiting. Yeah. So I was like, all right, darts, what is, what's in the top 20? <laughs> Let's it. go. It doesn't matter at this point. Because, you know, it. as far as, and I always told my kids uh, when I was touring them and helping them pick colleges, I was like, you know what? you need to just pick the right environment. And even if it's not the right environment, it doesn't matter where the school is in terms of like distinction. You, if you are serious about studying and making the most out of yourself, you will make the most out of whatever that situation is in, right? Like it doesn't need to be Harvard, you know? If you go to Harvard and graduate last in your class versus if you go to like, you know, Monmouth is a a good school, Mm -hmm. but like if you graduate first in your class there, that speaks volumes, you know what I mean? So. I know, it was funny how like I didn't have that mindset when I was applying myself and all of a sudden like in my like panic, I was like, you know what, it doesn't really matter. Let's just go somewhere. I mean, part of it was because like I knew what I wanted to do with like Shanghai Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, I need like a high profile backing background, right? If I go to Shanghai and it's like, oh, I went to Stanford, oh, I went to Harvard, like business is like easier. You know what I mean? It's like, especially in China, it's like when people hear those words, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll talk. I'll send my kids there, you know, wash you, like, whatever. (laughs) Nobody's heard of it. You know what I mean? So, like, there is something to say about the pedigree. Um, So, wash you was, like, super last minute. I applied. They called me three days later. It was like, we have somebody in town for an interview. Do you want, do you have time? And I was like, sure, absolutely. It ended up being in New York City on the day that I was flying back out to Hong Kong to visit some friends. Oh, wow. Did the interview, went to the airport, got on the plane. And then while I was sleeping the next day, they called me because it was there like 3 p.m. My oh, 3 a.m. Yeah. in Hong Kong. The yeah. phone kept ringing, unknown number. I just ignored it. And then it just kept ringing. I was like, well, it looks like a U.S. number. Maybe my parents are calling from somewhere, so I answered it like real groggily, like, no. They're like, hey, this is so-and-so from Wash U. Um, 
congratulations. You know, we want to tell you that we'd love for you to come to our school. Um, we know this is short notice, but we're having an admitted students weekend in like five days. Will you be able to make it? And I was like, sure, absolutely. <laughs> so I changed my Hong Kong ticket and like Damn. flew back and, uh, you know, made it out the same. Because at that point, it was like I had only heard from other, one other school, Georgetown. Mm -hmm. And okay. I did an interview, but I hadn't gotten notice of whether I'd been accepted or not yet. So I was like, okay, let me go at least look, you know. And um, I kind of loved it. It was like, it was just like college in terms of like, it was small. Absolutely. Like the program's only 140 kids, yep. which for me, perfect. I mean, you go to, you go to a school with like 800 kids. Cool. How many of them are you gonna really know anyway? Yep. It's still gonna be the same circle of people. Maybe your network is a little bit bigger, but like the whole point is that you're not really gonna network within your class, class as much. It's like the whole point is to network within that, within the school network. 100%, I try to tell people that the, the ROI of college is the relationships. Yeah, it's the same thing with, yeah, just as it is with everything, right? Yeah, <laughs> 100%. So like, um, I didn't know that I wanted to be an entrepreneur because I kind of had already been, mm -hmm. you know, and um, watched you had a great entrepreneurship program. Absolutely. Um, so I was like, oh, absolutely, sign me up. You know, no regrets that I ended up. We're good. Okay. So Full started as Mouse Chow. That was the name of the company. That was the name of the company. Of the company. I, like um, I was super excited about it. And then uh, I'll tell you the story about why it changed. But uh, this happened because, like I said, like I, I was a CrossFitter, so like I was super like obsessive, like obsessive about nutrition, mm -hmm. about food, about looking good, and like. By the time I got to my MBA, I had enough experience, I had done enough experimentation with my own body to like understand what it meant to be, what it meant to be healthy mm -hmm. from like a food perspective and from like a fitness perspective. Mm -hmm. And all those diets that I've been doing, like paleo, like keto, like I had actually, I accidentally did keto by myself for two years without realizing it. <laughs> You know, That's hilarious. It's, it's hilarious. Um, but I had done every every diet that you could think of under the book to see what worked for me, what didn't work for me. Yep. And but I had to like figure out a way to match that obsession of nutrition with my obsession for food and for loving to eat. Like traveling the world was like, well, I mean, you're gonna give up pasta, you're gonna give up pizza, mm -hmm. you're gonna give up you know, paella, you're gonna give yeah. up like fried chicken. I mean, you're gonna give up that stuff? No, there's no way. So like, yeah, I had to figure out a way to, to, to balance that. And you know, part of that balance was like, all right, well, I do actually enjoy cooking. So, and I do enjoy eating and I like reading recipe books. So um, I'm just gonna cook my own meals. I'm gonna take the stuff that I love, you know, 80% of the time, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna find a healthier version of that. And hopefully it's close in flavor, mm -hmm. but I don't really mind, you know, yeah. I'm the kind of guy who, who used to, I could eat chicken and broccoli all day. And in fact, that's what I did for like two years. I respect that. I was like, I'm a salmon, salmon and salmon and uh... It was a little miserable now that I think about it, um, because I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. Yep. But like, I, I'm pretty simple in, in terms of that. Like, if it's done well, I'll eat that all day. That's real. But like, I was like, all right, I need to diversify a little bit. <laughs> so um, I brought my own meal boxes to school. Gotcha. Every day, yep. you know, uh, put it in the fridge or like and every once in a while I'll bring like two just in case I knew I was gonna, we were doing like a group project and mm -hmm. like, you know, stay late, even though like everything in St. Louis is like four minutes away from each other, I could have easily run home and got something. Yeah, just yeah. the convenience, the convenience of it, having it right there. And uh, one of my classmates one day like was like, dude, I'm tired of eating sandwiches from Starbucks or from like our, uh, from the Bauer Cafe. Every day. Every day, it's not really good. So can I have one of your meals? It mm. looks good. I know you're a super healthy fit guy because I was like, that was my like reputation as like the crazy CrossFit healthy fit dude. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, sure, dude. I'll go home and grab one if I need to. He came back like three minutes later after heating and eating it. I was like, here's a hundred bucks. Just make me food for the rest of the week. Wow. And, and, I, and I was like, I don't know what I'm making tomorrow. I was like, ah, I don't care. It's fine. Whatever you want. And so like, it wasn't even it wasn't even a light bulb moment at that point. I was like, all right, you know, like I like helping people out, you know, like yeah, cool. I'll make it. It's not a big deal for me to mm -hmm. make one extra meal per day for somebody. It's generally like whatever's left over from dinner because I go home and cook, yep. and then just package it the next day for lunch as well. Gotcha. And then it being like one person, five people, ten people, Damn. twenty people, and it was funny because 
every single person was also like, oh, we don't care. Just make whatever it is you're making. And, and so I was like, well, this is, it, this is interesting. The community aspect is coming right back. Yeah, so I was like, so instead of, you know, and actually this was kind of a regret, was that like, so instead of, um, and I don't know if it's a regret, I still struggle with it sometimes, it's like, so instead of getting your traditional summer internship, working for a company, and like, you know, making some money, as well as like, learning mm-hmm. under a new position kind of thing, um, figuring out what it is that you wanted to do. I was like, I'm just going to start a company this summer and run with it and see what happens. You know, the best way to learn how to start a company is to just do, do it. it. Yeah. What am I going to do? Like interning at a startup, how is that going to help me? Super. In retrospect, I probably should have done that. You know what I mean? Because like what I was doing wasn't really starting a company. I just spent most of my time cooking. Gotcha. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So well, like, who knows? You, you it would have been nice to make a little money. Yeah. Who knows? What ended up happening was like I ended up planting the seed mm-hmm. earlier in St. Louis and gaining traction faster, which, gotcha. which was good, and really right? And that's it. Community. And really building the community because people knew what I was doing and they knew that like I had spent a lot of time doing, now, now that we think about it, like I spent a lot of time planting that seed. Yep. But I think I would have, I think from all the mistakes and stuff that I've learned because I've had to learn everything by myself, just trial and error, mm-hmm. you know, um, it would have been valuable for me to like work for a startup. Gotcha. See how things are managed, like systems. How that systems, putting systems in place and things like that. So, but anyways, I ran with it. I called it Mouse Chow. Um, I had this like little logo. It had like a leaf and like a little hat on it. <laughs> it, it was it was cute. And like I put stickers on the boxes and I cooked everything out of my house. Gotcha. You know. Um, and I did an event and somebody came up and was like, oh, so, you know, what kind of sushi do you have today? I was like, uh, no, we, we, we don't do sushi. He's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, with the word Mao, I just assumed it was Japanese food. Uh, do you do Chinese food? Like, what do you have? I was like, uh, no, I don't do Chinese food either. Mm. And so like, I was like, oh, Mao's chow. People think that it's- it's throwing them off. It's Asian food. Yep. I'm in St. Louis. Duh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So like that was my first real introduction to like, okay, you gotta think of this from like a bigger perspective. And so um, one of the projects that I worked on at St. Louis, their founders introduced me to their brand designer, okay. um, who's still my brand designer. Sat down with him, told him like what I was looking for. I'm like a real simple guy, but this is what I'm trying to convey mm-hmm. with my food and that's how like full the name was born. Gotcha. So full the idea was that it's a suffix which means to complete or to nourish or to provide for. I like that. You know? Um, and so like that's really kind of like that's instilled in kind of like the philosophy of what we do. Plus like if we think of when I think of it from like a marketing perspective too, you know, it's very powerful in terms of me being able to use those Absolutely. that full mess like be powerful, be flavorful, be mindful, like all those things, all those those play on those words was like when I first when he first introduced that concept to me, I was skeptical. I was like, mm. people aren't gonna like it. I was like <laughs> I was like, I don't really like it. Because it wasn't flashy, you gotcha. know, but yep. That didn't make sense because I didn't want it to be flashy. But you know, when you come up with names and stuff like that, it's always like, you know, it grows on you. And now, like, it couldn't have been more perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, like, 100% credit to David. His name is David Rigel. Mm -hmm. Like, 100% credit to him. Like, holy crap. Like, way to to knock it out (laughs) of the name. Um, And so, like, once I wrap my head around that concept, and, like, obviously what I do now is, has evolved. Um, before it was, when I first started, it was just a meal prep service. Yep. You know, the idea was like, oh, people like eating my food, you know, uh, this is what I think is healthy. So like, you don't get a choice in what, nobody got a choice in what they ate. Got they you. just like, it's I just, just gave them whatever. Kind of the same you know? And it was like that for like the first year and a half, like you didn't get to choose what you ate, you know, cause I was like, you don't care. If I give you choices, you're gonna pick the same thing anyway. Yep. Um, and a lot of it was just centered around pushing forward what I thought was like healthy for you. Yep. And there was never this mission of, it was a mission of making people feel healthy and like filling their bellies, mm-hmm. right? But there was never this mission of which it's taken now of like being more than just healthy. 
being more than just a healthy meal delivery mm-hmm. service, you know? So like, you know, I always spend a lot of time like thinking of ways of describing the company, you know, like we're a healthy food concept that provides ready to heat meals in a convenient fashion through delivery and pickup. But food is just what we do. It's not who we are. What we are is a company, is a brand that's focused on educating people, the general population, not just athletes, Mm -hmm. you know, the general population, what it means to have a long, healthy, sustainable relationship with food. You know, what it means to kind of recultivate a love for eating that's not like, count this calorie. Is this good for me? Is this bad for me? You know, like I want to be able to use, obviously we're very specific with the kind of food that we make and like how we package it, the portion sizing of it. Um, But the whole idea is to teach people that like, hey, you can have your cake and eat it too, you know? So like what we do is very different from like a diet perspective because I don't believe in dieting. Um, We are gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free. Uh, MSG free because obviously I, I don't think anybody's really going to argue that that's just better for you <laughs> if it doesn't take away from taste texture you know just the overall food experience mm-hmm. why not do it gotcha. you know what I mean it makes 100% sense yeah. you know right? if it doesn't take away from any of that why not do it you know because if you can you can don't be lazy about it so Absolutely. like that's something that we hold on to um but our portion sizing is like is based off the principle of the plate method, which has been around forever. It's not new. It's not rocket science. It's just kind of been repackaged to be fancy by a lot of other people <laughs> and like trends and diets like yeah. macros, paleo, all that stuff. Um, and it's essentially like, what is the simplest way for you to remember how to eat and eat in a healthier fashion without having to like my fitness pal. Well, how many macros do I have left to fill? Gotcha. Is this in Going the pa- your is this in the paleo list? Yeah. Going to Weight Watchers and putting your points and in. all that stuff. It's just like gotcha. it's a plate. Half of it is vegetables. Quarter of it is carbs. I don't care if you want to put bread in there. Put bread in there. Whatever. It's a quarter of your plate. The other quarter of your plate is some kind of protein: mm-hmm. chicken, beef, fish, pork, whatever you like. You eat that way three to four times a day, six times a week you're better off than 99% of the population already. That's really and it's amazing that something that simple is still so hard to do. It's real. You know what I mean? It's real. Um, and so like I always explain to people, cause I do, I do try to do nutrition seminars and they always have these questions about paleo, macros, and like, I could tell you all that stuff all you want. Like you want to learn, I think that's great. I think it's super important for people to have a good understanding of nutrition, you know, the science behind their food, you know, you know, I love that stuff myself and nerd out about it. Like a lot of our cooking is based on like food science, you know, it's not necessarily like artistry, like like a lot of chefs. So there's a little (laughs) bit of sprinkling of that in there, but, um, yeah, I always come back to the same thing. I'm like, do you really care? Do you really need to count your macros? Mm to do the paleo thing? Or is it just cause like you see it, right? It's like something shiny, it's real. you know? Um, it's interesting and you always like need to do something different it's rather than job. like like keeping it simple and consistent and sustainable is hard, is hard. With any diet. You know, changing diets all the time is easy. <laughs> you know, so you, it's not, you're not working hard at that point. You're just working. Oh, this is new. It, oh, this, this is, is new. Oh, my coworker is doing this new. You know, and it, but it's also like, it's so frustrating to do that all the time. It's like, why go through all that effort? You know, like, and that, that was a big change in mentality because it was like, you know, when I first did it, I was like, oh, I'm doing it for the CrossFit athlete. I'm doing it for the gains. You know, yeah. I'm doing it for the performance. And I'm like, nobody, no. And, and that's kind of where the philosophy of like, my, my fitness philosophy has mm-hmm. come into play. Because I used to be that guy with like a huge chip on his shoulder, like work out like three times a day, trying to be like the best CrossFitter in the world. Yeah. Like, silly, like what? Like who cares? You know, like obviously there's a little bit of competition, there's a little bit of ego. I don't bit. deny that, I have a big ego. Um, it was like, why do that? 
know. Um, part of it, part of that mentality changes attributed to like the community, online community, and my coach Chris Spieler and the Icon Athlete community, in which it talks a lot about like what's your motivation, what's your why. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole idea behind CrossFit is like it's for you to be healthy. It's for you to be able to take your fitness and do things that you want in life versus like crushing yourself at the gym. So like marrying that with food, you know, it's like if you're obsessed about all the time what you're eating, how you're eating, and then how you're training, but you're not a professional athlete. Yeah. And I'm sure like when you were a professional athlete, like that stuff does matter because you're getting paid for it. No, yeah. You know, that's like it's your job to be like, to be fit, to be in the best shape that you can be, 100%. you know, to be like imposing physically and yeah. mentally. It's critical, like. It's critical, that's what your job is. For the normal person, why are you doing that to yourself? <laughs> you know, you're not getting paid for it. Like, if you enjoy it, like, cool, but you gotta understand that, like, that's not, that's not like a sustainable thing. And, you know, I've talked to other athletes before, and I think one of the biggest things that they struggle with is, like, once they come off of that like high performance diet, they're at a loss for like, what do I do now? So real. You know what I mean? Like it's a struggle. And so like, I, you know, part of this development of this company has been like, all right, how do I come up with something that reaches the masses and that keeps things simple? You know, it's been a struggle in the sense that because of the way the industry and the stuff is and all those shiny new objects, like people mm -hmm. always want to do this diet, do this diet. And they're like, oh, Ken, how come you don't have a paleo track? And how come you don't have like a keto track? And how come you don't have like a, you know, even like a vegetarian track, yep. you know, things like that. And I'm like, I'll be honest, guys, I'm sticking to my lane because it's what I know. And honestly, I used to tell people that like, I don't want to tell you that what, what I'm doing is the best for you, but like, Again, what I'm doing is not new, you know, like it's been around for a long time. And if you think about it, you know, just even talking like this, it's like, it makes sense that it's literally what's the best for you because it's simple, mm -hmm. it's sustainable. Nobody's gonna argue that eating vegetables, meat and carbs is bad for you, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, and, uh, in a, just just this past month for October, like we we started talking about like mental health and mm -hmm. things like that, you know, and and a big part of like having a good relationship with food is not obviously obsessing about it, you know. So like there is that physical aspect of wanting to look good and feel good, and like if you're eating well, those things will happen. Absolutely. But if you're obsessing all the time about it, like how's your like mental health, like? food anxiety is like a real thing. Real. <laughs> it's crazy. Super real. Yeah. You know, like, you know, green check marks next to what you can, X is uh, what you can, X is what to can. And it's like, you've got a, literally a million choices and a, literally a million decisions to make all the time versus what's good or bad. And it's like, placing a morality on food creates this anxiety that like takes away from your ability to like do the things that you want to do. Exactly. It's like, I, I was the same way. It's like, do I go out to eat with my friends? Or do I stay at home and eat this chicken broccoli so that I can keep my six pack intact? It's like, <laughs> how is that a healthy way to live? That's you know, so like weird. why would you ever choose that over going out with your friends? But the issue is, is like, that's a real thing because like when you are prescribed to like, and I'm just saying this for like the majority of the population, right? Mm -hmm. If you just want to be healthy long-term, keeping it simple, I think is the best way to go. Absolutely. If you have goals like, you need to, your doctor's like, you need to lose 30 pounds, you know? Uh, or you need to like, you have like a, you know, like a weightlifting competition, mm -hmm. you know, and you need to like perform, yep. you know? Yes, find one of those nutrition templates, diets, whatever you call it, and follow it. Yep. Because that's what those are for, right? Like the keto diet or like the paleo diet is a good way to lose weight to help you help people lose weight and you have to understand that it's a short that's your short-term goal Absolutely. but it's not a long-term sustainable path towards eating so what i do is like okay once you do that what are you going to go back to you can't stay on that diet forever so like, you got to come back to something this is what you come back to it's easy so that way when you go out to eat with friends and you're doing like a family style thing. Mm -hmm. Indulge yourself a little bit, but if you don't want to, just make a plate. 
make it look like what your normal meal is. Yep. Take the rest of it home. You know, I can't, can't tell you how many times like, I've gone out to eat with friends or like even just my girlfriend and we'll order like 12 things off the menu. <laughs> and I'll just bring most of it home. You know, it's like I'll get a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this. I don't need to eat everything on gotcha. the plate. Then, you know, restaurants obviously do tend to overserve a little bit, <laughs> which is fine. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, they want to, they want you to get the most out of your money. So, but I take it home. I just eat the rest of it over the course of the week. But at the same time, because I've been eating this way and I have a base to go back to, I literally never feel guilty about food anymore. I used to be that way, you know, uh, but I have no, I literally have no food guilt or anxiety. Go out, I'll crush like three slices of pizza, four slices of pizza, an entire pie. Uh, I'll feel terrible, <laughs> but I won't feel guilty about it. My mind no longer like registers that as like a good or a bad thing. It's just a decision I choose to make and then like, you know, my stomach hurts because I had like six slices of pizza. Yeah. That's, that's a whole different story. Challenge. And then I just go back to eat, eat what I call, just eat normally. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's real. So, um, you gotta shift that relationship with You food. gotta shift that relationship with food. I think, I think it's super important though. Like, you know, it's funny. Like I look at this company and this brand is like, it's not just, like I said, it's not a, it's a food concept, but we're like, mm -hmm. we're like a lifestyle company. Absolutely. And part of it is also like a motivational company and like helping people explore. And it's always so cheesy when I, I feel cheesy when I talk about stuff like this. <laughs> but it's just like, it's a, when, you, when you consider, you know, food as kind of like your vehicle to understanding your why for health. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, you want to be healthy. Everybody wants to be healthy. Absolutely. Why do you want to be healthy? Is it because that's the right thing to do? Well, what's right about it? What's right about it for you? You know, um, obviously for everybody that looks different, you know, but I think the one thing that we all share is that like being healthy allows us to cultivate relationships, experiences, things that we would otherwise not be able to do yep. if we were quote unquote not healthy. You know, we all share that common bond. What's specific then is like what you do within the confines of your individual bonds and relationships and mm -hmm. what things you love to do. Yeah. You know, like I, I, you know, I love traveling, I love CrossFit. Well, for somebody else it might be, I love going to movies, I love, you know, kayaking. You yeah. know, I like, I don't know, I like painting, right? But there's like a relative degree of health that you need to have to be able to actually enjoy all doing those, those things, things. Yep. and not be anxious from food and just, you know, all that encompassed. Um, so like really delving into like and understanding that. Cause I think it's actually a relatively simple concept, but people just never ask the question. Gotcha. As to like, why? You know, for That's me, really it's cool. like, I love food. I love working out. I love being able to do all the stuff that I do, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I love being able to talk about it passionately with people Absolutely. and so that's why I want to be healthy you know I also part of it is like I also want to be a role model you know kind of like the standard for what that stuff should look like and part of it is also because like it's all, all of this is like like I said it's like, it wasn't like a light bulb yes. you know it wasn't like instant it's like this has been like a year on a year you know like <laughs> this has been literally and that's why I say like Wash U coming to St. Louis and doing this. I don't think this would have happened had I not come to St. Louis. This is this company is literally a culmination of my entire life and just the expression I love of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like I, it's rare that people find that. Yeah. You know, so like I consider myself super lucky, super blessed to to very clearly know how I can express everything that I've learned. You know, I don't expect everybody to listen, you know, but I'm just gonna say as much as I can and hopefully if a little nugget kind of like hits, hits yourself yeah. in the brain, you know, you know, it's up to you it's at me. the end of the day. Yep. You know, I can only say so much, it's up to you to make kind of that decision. I'll prod and push just a little bit every <laughs> once in a while, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, but it is up to you at the end of the day. So like, how can I have kind of like that biggest voice, you know? So, you know, my hope with this company going forward is like, finding ways of expressing 
this more through what we do. And I think as the industry grows and things like that, as our brand becomes more recognizable, I think people will start to understand that. Another the question is kind of like how to harness that from like a financial, <laughs> from yeah. a business side scale and scale it and make it, um, you know, I, I would love to at some point hit other cities that are like St. Louis, where it's like medium-sized market. Not New York. Not New York, super, super loyal to local businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, people care about food, but people care about health. You know, community is, is tight, and things like that. So, That's real. Yeah. That's super real. And before we kind of close up, I kind of want to see what your insight and thought is. What would you have to say to a, say, a young, young entrepreneur, you know, about to finish up his MBA and thinking about starting up his own startup? What type of advice would you give them or her? Um, things are never going to go the way that you think. So there's something to be said about planning, right? Like you can't go into a venture without a plan. Right. Obviously, at some point, you just got to be like, all right, I just got to do it. I just got to start it. You know, mm-hmm. so finding that fine line between, OK, I have this concept. I need to go out. I need to test it. So think of it as like you need to test it, yep. but you need to set parameters on like how you want to test it. So you need to do have a plan. Right. But at the same time, you also need to like have that kind of courage to just go out and, and do it. You know, um, with me, I was a little bit too obsessed with like, okay, I gotta have these numbers, this, 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 mm-hmm. this, 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 this. And so like that kind of like, that kind of made it hard to execute. You know what I mean? So like you're always trying to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to be perfect, yep. but you can't just go, you can't just jump into it. You know, I've seen too many of the extremes. Yep. I was at the perfection extreme, yep. but I've seen too many people who literally have no plan and they're like, I'll figure it out as I go along. You know, let's be realistic. That's real. You gotta find, you gotta know where your limitations are. You, you can't have that expectation that like, okay, well, if that person was able to figure it out, I'll just jump into it and I'll figure it out. Let's, let's be honest, we're not all hardwired that way. Like, I'm certainly not hardwired that way. I would have flamed out considerably, <laughs> you know? It's funny At the same it. time, it's like, I was trying to be perfect yep. and far from it. You know, I've made so many mistakes with this business. I still make tons of mistakes and it's a learning process and I understand that. I don't kick myself for that, you know? I take each day in stride and, you know, but, you gotta find that kind of like fine line. And I, and I think that's important. And then the secondly, I would say like, and I'm still missing that to this day, I would say is like, I still haven't necessarily found, I have a great network of people, mm-hmm. but I, I miss the whole mentorship thing. You know, part 100%. of going to the NBA was to kind of like find a mentor, yep. find somebody who could like, show you the ways, almost. show me the ways almost like, be there in my corner of that if I made a mistake, wouldn't necessarily tell me what to do, but like kind of help course correct a little bit. Or Absolutely. like, you know, consider this, Absolutely. consider this. So like, really I'm still back to kind of that like lone wolf way where like, I'm, I'm just <laughs> doing it myself again, which is that, you know, it is, it is what it is. Um, and maybe that's like unrealistic, you know, that's like, movie life like somebody has a entrepreneur they have you kind of <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I feel like maybe not I feel like 99% of people who start their own businesses like they don't have a mentor and you just got to figure it out that's you real know? that's so, real I think one of the but if there are any people out in St. Louis yeah. who want to help <laughs> grow this business come find me you know I'm, I'm always eager to learn um, that's real you know and I think part of that is like I every opportunity like that I can to like help share my personal experience whether professionally socially whatever mm-hmm. you know even if it doesn't relate to full like I, i'd love to do that and part of that is kind of like my education background being a tutor absolutely it's like if i can help i will 100%. but you get like one or two opportunities with me like i i gotta see that like you want it rather absolutely. than you just like oh uh, yeah it sounds like a good idea yeah, do yeah, yeah. you don't follow through you know it's real. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. <laughs> and it's fine, you know. It, it, you'll, you'll learn, but, you know, you're not going to get a second. You're not going to get a third chance for me. You get one or two. And then that's about it. I so. think one of the greatest things I heard you say there, probably within the last three minutes, was uh, 
really about self-awareness and being self-aware of are you a guy who can just drop everything, go and, you know, just do it? Or are you the guy who needs to plan out and things like that? And, you know, I think you can learn from, like, we're in the information age, so you can learn from a lot of different people and see how a lot of different people are doing it. But I think it's really, really important to be self-aware at the end of the day because you got to ultimately know, is this something that you can actually do? Can you do it with 10 other people versus you yeah. doing it by yourself? You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, self-awareness is super important, you know, you know, a lot of entrepreneur talks and things that I've seen is always like, you, you got to believe in yourself. You got to believe in the concept. Like times are going to be hard. Mm -hmm. Hang on. There are also times that you got to realize this is just not going to work. <laughs> like you just got to pack your bags and like That's move real. on to something else. That's real. You know what I mean? And I won't lie that like there are some days where I like, I feel like that with this business because mm -hmm. it's so hard. You know, this is a real hard business. Like the food industry is hard to be in. It's different. The health industry is hard to be in. Putting it together is hard to be, you know, it's hard to do. And there are some times where I'm just like, you know, I'm trying to be like self-aware. Like, am I doing it right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Can yeah, somebody yeah. do it better? things like that. So, you know, as far as this company goes right now, like, uh, as we grow, uh, obviously I spend a lot of time in the kitchen mm -hmm. right now. Uh, I would love to spend less time in the kitchen, more time on the business. But at the same time, it's like, this guy's handed me kitchen, I pay rent, super grateful, like took a chance, you know, and I haven't gone, gotten as far as I've wanted to in these kind of first year and a half, two years. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, I would say that like this first year and a half is kind of like proof of concept. You know, if I want to make an excuse for myself, it's like, it's, it's still honestly proof of concept. Yeah. The first two years I was doing it, I was in marketing and I was quote unquote trying to hide it, yep. <laughs> you know? Um, and I've kind of like learned my mistakes. And now that I've hired an employee, built a team, mm -hmm. now it's kind of like the time like, okay, proof of concept, done. Awesome. Now let's execute. now let's let's execute. Let's figure it out. I know what works and what doesn't work. I'm obviously still still trying other things. You know, uh, the fitness, being in the fitness industry or like selling to gyms and stuff is like low hanging fruit that finally like registered in my mind. Yep. I'm like, people are like, why are you always just doing gyms? I'm like, because it's easy. Like I speak that language. Yeah. They speak this it's language. Your passion all about, also, um, yeah. To all the gym owners in St. Louis. This is a value add to your business. Yes. Um, I don't know why it's hard for people to grasp that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like. I think people you, just naturally put their guards up when they think they're being sold something. something. When at the yeah. end of the day, it's. It's like if you're serious about improving the health and wellness of people uh, in your community, and you should be if you're a gym owner. Yep. You know, obviously, there's some people who just do it for the money, like whatever, but if you're serious about it, I. I am frustrated sometimes at the conversations that I have. They're like, okay, well, what's in it for me? Mm -hmm. I'm like, what's in it for you is that you just added something of super important value to your business. People are going to go out and get food anyway. You talk about nutrition and stuff in your gyms anyway. So why not just have somebody do it for you? You know what I mean? 100%. It's like, I'm not, asking, I'm not asking you to give me money. Your clients are giving me, <laughs> are giving me money that they would elsewhere be spending elsewhere. Yep. You know, retention in the fitness industry is super difficult. This is one way of helping you retain your clients. 100%. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, like, gyms are like the low-hanging fruit, right? Like, there's this whole new, like, culture of, like, corporate wellness that's what I was gonna you know stuff like that like yo hit me up like we're primed and ready for it like the whole idea of this company at the very beginning was like it's for lunch it's for your employee midday just uh, like when you were at school uh, employee that is well fed and didn't just eat like a burger and has a food coma is a productive employee you know what I mean that's you can use it as a way to kind of offset some of your insurance premiums. I like it. You know what I mean? So it's just like, why wouldn't you do this? They're already going to bring lunch by themselves or they're going to go out and eat something. And I'm sure they struggle with that. It's like when you can take something else off their plate, no pun intended. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, why wouldn't you do it? Like, why does there need to be something in it for you? You know, and that's a mentality I always struggle with, you know. And maybe because I'm naive when it comes to business, yeah. you know, it's like, what, what, what is, why does there have to be something in it for you? I'm doing something that's going to benefit your company in the long term. And yes, obviously, if I can make some money out of it, 
yeah, that makes sense because I'm providing you a service. You should, be, you should, or your employees are paying me for it. You're not doing anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm still trying to figure out avenues and like ways to like, to like broach that subject and like, and just finding the right people to connect to Absolutely. and stuff like that. It's been harder than I thought, like I said, like I'm super frustrated by it. But like, I think, I think in time, Hundred percent. It'll, 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 it'll turn around. People, people, people don't listen always until they do. Yeah. You know what I mean. So, what would be the best, the best way for our listeners to one, you know, find out more about the company if they wanted to get on board and actually start to get meals and things like that, and social media handles and things like that. All right, cool. So, um, just very quickly. So, in terms of how we work uh, as a company. We're a meal subscription service, so you pick a weekly meal plan that ranges anywhere from three to 20 meals. I think we even have a 30 meal plan. Mm. So like whatever fits your lifestyle needs. If you just need it a couple times a week because you love cooking, you know, but you just need to like on a busy night be able to reach something and grab something out of the fridge. Cool, we're there for that three meals a week. Gotcha. You know, five meals a week is typically what people get because they want one every day for lunch and yep. then like weekends they like to go do their own thing. Um, you pick a meal plan. It, uh, automatically, uh, uh, you, it, you, it's a subscription, so it re automatically reoccurs every single week, so mm -hmm. you don't need to think about it, it's yep. super convenient, but the platform is set up so that if you need to skip a week, you need to skip like four weeks from now, you need to pause it indefinitely, you have control. Uh, and then obviously when you sign up, we have five different meals per week. You can pick what you want to fill out your meal plan, mm -hmm. you know? So like I said, when I first started, people didn't get a choice. It was just like people would just get one of everything. So like, if you want to do that, easy. If you only eat chicken, you can just get three of the chicken dishes. Mm. Like the idea is, that, again, to be like simple um, for you not to have to think about it. Gotcha. They get dropped off at one of our seven pickup locations throughout St. Louis City um, on like Sundays. And then you pick it up at your convenience on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever you need to pick it up. Um, all that info is at www.eatful. E-A-T-F-U-L dot C-O, so not dot com. We're in the new millennial generation. <laughs> Don't even talk to me about <laughs> website domains. Oh my God, so eatful.co. Uh, our Instagram handle is uh, at eatful, E-A-T-F-U-L. And then if they ever have any questions, comments, you know, you can either reach me through Instagram or uh, email at info at eatful.co. Awesome. awesome. So. Ken, I really, really appreciate you coming on to St. Louis business podcast. Well, thank you, Hakeem. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, great. That was awesome, man.